0: This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to The Night Sky, a podcast on the eclipses coming to Kerrville. Over the next 18 months, Kerrville will be the eclipse capital of the world. The first eclipse will be an annular solar eclipse on October 14, 2023, with a total solar eclipse taking place on April 8, 2024. 2023 annular eclipse will be a partial eclipse that will create a ring of fire around the sun. The second will be a total eclipse where full darkness occurs. This podcast, hosted by Andrew Gay and Tom Fox, will celebrate these two eclipses and discuss how the town of Kerrville will prepare for an influx of a quarter million or more visitors as well as celebrating The dark skies. In this episode, Andrew Gay and myself visit with Bruce Barton, a member of the Hill Country Astronomers, a hobbyist astronomers club headquartered in Fredericksburg. We talk about Bruce's love for the skies, the work of the Hill Country Astronomers to bring information around the upcoming eclipses to Kerrville and their educational outreach program. I know you'll enjoy this episode of The Night Sky.
1: Hello, everybody. Andrew Gay and Tom Fox here for Episode 6 of The Night Sky, a podcast on the eclipses coming to Kerrville. And we are here with Mr. Bruce Barton from Hill Country Astronomers today to talk about the eclipse. Hello, Bruce. How are you doing? Thank you for joining us.
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, we're happy you're here and we have no shortage of questions for you today. So let's just start with maybe some of the basics, basics, if you want to tell us who you are and a little bit about maybe Hill Country astronomers. Okay.
2: I've been in amateur astronomy about, oh, 35 years or so. First got involved with it in a big way when Halley's Comet came around back in 85, 86. And so I've been, that's when I bought my first telescope and I've been in it pretty much continuously since then. And I've been vice president and president of two different astronomy clubs, one in Midland and one here in Kerrville. And the Hill Country Astronomers is the club that I am a member of now. They're based out of Fredericksburg, but we have members from probably six different counties around the Hill Country. And when I first joined, I think our membership was in the 40, 45 range and we're now over 80. So it's a growing club. And we meet the first Monday of each month in Fredericksburg at the Hill Country University Center, which is on the east side of Fredericksburg on US 290. We meet, as I said, the first Monday of each month. We try to have varied programs so we can have subject matter of interest to both rank amateurs who have never even looked through a telescope versus people like myself who have been at it for decades. And it's been really fun to do that. And I'm looking forward to doing it for many more years.
1: Thank you for that, Bruce. What a, okay, so let's, let's get into the, to the goods here and talk about the eclipse. So as an amateur astronomer and someone that's interested in the night sky, how exciting is this event for you? And maybe what does it mean to you?
2: A total solar eclipse, if I were to rank it from say one to 10, it's an 11. It's huge for many reasons. One, because it's basically pretty rare. I think my friend Mark Ward, who's also a member of the club, looked up some data point that said that if you were to stand at any one location on Earth's surface long enough, you could see a total solar eclipse from your location about once every four or 500 years. So it's pretty rare. My own research showed that the last time a total solar eclipse got anywhere near Texas was in, I believe it was in 1878. And so since then, we have not had a total solar eclipse within the bounds of the state. We've had partial solar eclipses, but not a total solar eclipse. And the next one that will happen, I think, is going to be in 2048, I believe, and that one will barely nick the state up around the Panhandle, the northeast corner of the Texas Panhandle, and then there'll be a couple more after that, this century, one very near Brownsville in the SpaceX area, and and then the last one in the century will occur, I think, in 2078, and uh, that'll be in deep south Texas as well. So these things are pretty rare, and so the rarity alone makes them pretty special. But they also are neat because due to chance alignment, and the relationship between the size of the moon and the size of the sun, it's very rare in any solar system that we've ever examined, where you have a one body in a solar system that can barely eclipses the whole star like our moon does with the sun on its its host planet. And it won't be this way forever on the Earth-Moon system. The moon is very slowly moving away from the Earth. Its orbit is getting a little bit longer, a little bit wider. And so there will come a time, which won't be for several more million years, but there will come a time when it no longer eclipses the sun totally. So, we live in kind of a unique time and in, an, in a unique place where this sort of thing happens. And it also allows professional astronomers to study the sun with a lot more detail than what they're normal, normally able to do. Mm-hmm. For instance, there is one thing about the sun that's got astronomers really puzzled. The surface of the sun, its chromosphere, has a temperature of about 5,000 to 5,500 degrees Kelvin, but yet the atmosphere, the solar corona, that only comes into view during a solar eclipse is much, much hotter than that, Hmm. and nobody really knows why. There's some ideas floating around there, but total solar eclipses offer an opportunity to be professionally studied to try to get to the bottom of what's going on with the sun and why its atmosphere is so much hotter than the surface of the sun. And it's not a small number. It's like the coronasphere has a temperature around four or five million degrees. And yet the surface of the sun is like 5,500 degrees Kelvin. And they don't really know why that is. So the solar eclipses give them a chance to study that. And perhaps someday they'll be able to work it out as to why that is. But so it's of interest to professional astronomers as well as amateur astronomers. For an everyday layman who is not even into astronomy, if you see it, I'm, I won't go so far to say that it's life changing, but it's certainly you will remember it the rest of your life. Yeah, it is really cool to watch one. It's just really
1: neat. Tom, over to you, sir.
2: So, Bruce, where have you have you previously seen an eclipse?
1: Yes, where?
2: In Alliance, Nebraska in 2017 this the last one that occurred stateside.
0: I don't want to ask you what you saw I want to ask you what you felt.
2: That one is pretty cool too. So I gotta back up and give you a little bit of backstory about it because being an amateur astronomer I've always been interested in seeing one but I've never had the financial resources to go do it. The opportunity to get to Alliance Nebraska presented itself when my friend Mark Ward worked out a deal with a pastor of a Lutheran church up there, Mark was is a recently retired Lutheran minister, and he worked out a deal with a pastor in a Lutheran church up in Alliance to give the message on the Sunday morning prior to that event. If we could have a place to stay during the night prior, and we said, "Sure, yeah, that sounds good." So. My wife and I piggybacked with my friend, Mark, and his wife, Cindy, and we went up to Alliance, Nebraska to see that event. And I had spent at least six months to a year prior working out how I was going to photograph the event. And so I knew all of these things that I was going to do. I had uh, set it up so that my camera would be more or less automated so that I didn't have to be down in the shutter and the viewfinder trying to diddle with all these controls and try to find the right exposure and all this kind of stuff. I worked all that out in advance and I had it programmed into a computer that actually ran my camera and so I had all this stuff worked out and then the morning of the eclipse we got up about 4 30 in the morning and it was absolute pea soup fog (laughs) and we're going in alliance Freaking Nebraska, how do you have fog in the middle of nowhere? And, and so we were just like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But we went ahead and on faith, we just set up our equipment. Uh, we got it all polar in line so that it would track the sun correctly. We did all this stuff. And there were some last minute glitches that I had to overcome. And then as the moon got closer and closer to totally eclipsing the sun, and we got closer to totality. I looked up and the instant that it went total, I became, and I had been smug because here I was 21st century man, I had worked all out, all these details and things. And the instant that it went total, I was a Cro-Magnon man. I had, I was absolutely gobsmacked. Mm -hmm. And this gets to your question, how did you feel about it? I was absolutely stunned at how spectacularly beautiful it was. And you've seen pictures of what the sun looks like in a total eclipse, all is that corona. But let me tell you, as good as those pictures are, and I can tell you from personal experience, it's not easy to make one that's that beautiful. But as beautiful as those photographs are, they cannot do justice to what you will see with your own eyes during a total solar eclipse. Because the light in that solar corona that surrounds that round black hole is not white; it's like it's silver, and I've Mm -hmm. never ever encountered any other situation where the light was like that. So it's this bright, shining, radiant silver light that's superimposed on an indigo sky, and it's just Mm awe-inspiring, and To think that you will be able to have two minutes and almost two and a half minutes of that experience, even if there are some thin clouds in the sky, it just makes me stay awake at night thinking about it. So it's really cool. And if you have a chance to see it, I would definitely not scram out of town. I'd want to stay here and make sure you have a good view to the south, but very high up because that's where the sun's gonna be during this eclipse. Uh, it'll be almost due south, but it'll be very high up. It'll be over, I think it's over 50 degrees high from the horizon. So you need a good unobst- unobstructed view to the south and, and a lawn chair, and that's about all you need. Oh, and some safety glasses. Because one thing that I really knew, do need to emphasize is that for the total solar eclipse, you must use safety glasses uh, during the run-up to and then immediately after totality. So when totality occurs, then this glasses need to be able to come off so that you can see it. But for safety reasons, you do not want to be looking at this event without safety glasses with your, with your naked eye, or with any sort of optical aid at all, binoculars, telescopes, don't even think about it because you will you will burn a hole in your retina literally. In just a couple of seconds, so don't do that. You really need to have a pair of safety glasses on.
1: I wanted to ask you a question about that in Alliance, Nebraska. You mentioned earlier when we were talking before we we started the episode here about that town's experience and seeing an influx of people. Can you talk about that a yep. little bit? Sure. Yeah, uh, Alliance is not a really
2: big town. It's uh, I want to say that its permanent population is maybe fifteen to eighteen thousand, uh, a little smaller in Carville. And they estimate that around 30,000 or so people came in to Alliance to view the eclipse that day. And in the first minute after totality, people started scrambling for the cars to get out of town. And all they did was was scramble to get at the end of the line that was a line of cars to the nearest stop sign was probably two miles. And I'm not exaggerating. It's It was a two mile long line of cars to get to a stop, a footway stop that was on the outskirts of town. And so it's going to be worse than that here in Kerrville, I'm pretty sure, because of our geographic location, because of the weather prospects. When you look at climate data for the eclipse path across the country, Kerrville is probably the best situation, situated according to the, the climate, data that we have. It lies astride a major east-west corridor that runs Transcon all the way from Florida to Southern California that's heavily populated with major cities that will have to come to the center line in order to see this event. And in Alliance, there was no easy way to get in and out of town. They had several state roads that intersected through there, but they did not have any U.S. highways if I remember correctly, in the nearest interstate was about 100 miles south, and it was very difficult to get into town and extremely difficult to get out of town once the eclipse was over because of all the people that were basically jamming the highways. And I had the good fortune to sit next to a gentleman who was on the who was a county commissioner in the county that surrounds Alliance at luncheon, and he. And I asked him if it had gone the way that they had anticipated that it had gone. And he said everything went well except for the cell phone coverage. They had contracted with all the major cellular carriers to bring in extra portable cell tower Mm -hmm. to handle the increase in load. And it it didn't seem to make much difference, frankly. I was getting texts from my brother at two o'clock in the afternoon uh, asking if I was on the center line yet. That he had sent eight o'clock that morning. And so it's just full of wow. people sending selfies. I'm on the center line, this is great. You gotta, and it's like being at a football game, you know, at a major college or professional football game where the cellular towers are nowhere near enough to cover everybody, taking pictures and sending texts and making phone calls. And it's similar to that. It's just very difficult for the cellular network in and around any given community to handle that type of influx of people coming in to use their cell phones. And that's one of the things that kind of scares me about Kerbal is that we really need to have extra cell towers. I know the city is trying to be proactive about that. There's probably a limit to what can be done to fix that, but that's one of the things that does worry me about it based on our experience in Alliance that we had.
0: Tom? Yeah, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the Hill Country Astronomy Club. Mm-hmm, sure. And what's the mission of the club?
2: Basically, we're there to provide an avenue for people who are interested in the night sky to become more familiar with it. We have a broad level of expertise from people who are just starting out in the hobby to people who have been involved with the hobby for decades. And it, it provides a good avenue for some of the people that have been around for a long time to impart some of their knowledge to the newbies to help them get started in the hobby. And so it's basically there to acquaint the Hill Country community at large to the benefits of the night sky that we have here, which are fantastic.
0: Our first podcast in this series was an astrophysicist, a PhD astrophysicist. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, what got you interested in the sky? And he told the story of being eight years old and a teacher talking about the moons of Jupiter. And for Mm -hmm. some reason, Titan fascinated him. And since then, he's been looking up. Did you have a little boy moment where something fascinated you and you looked up? I
2: think my earliest foray into astronomy was when Comet Kahutek came along. Uh, and I think that was in the not- mid-1960s. And I had this little bitty telescope that I tried to use to see Comet mm-hmm. with it, And it didn't work out so well. Was, Kahutek wasn't all that bright, but it was much easier to see with the naked eye than it was with that little telescope. But that was probably my earliest foray into it. And then I had a passing interest in it. The large telescopes of the day, like the big one at Palomar Observatory, the 200-inch, very storied telescope, was always fascinating to me. From a mechanical standpoint, I always wanted to know how they built it and how they engineered it to do what it does and all that kind of thing. As a kid, that's what I grew up with and what I was interested in. But it wasn't until Halley's Comet came along that
0: I got into it pretty much full-time, full-time as a hobby. As part of the outreach for the Hill Country Astronomy Club, are you going to any schools, elementary schools or schools around Fredericksburg or even the Hill Country to talk about this
2: event? in, In terms of the total solar eclipse, yes, we do. We also do it just as a general outreach function of the club for other schools. In fact, this month, I think, I don't remember the exact day, but we're going to host a star party for, I think it's middle schoolers out of Lano. Uh, that's become sort of a semi annual event with them due to their interest in physics and astronomy that their local science teacher up there has but just last saturday mark ward came down here and uh, delivered the, one of the two main topics there across the river at the at the library for their kickoff event and he talked about the eclipse and how it comes to how it comes into existence and a little bit of the physics behind the sun and how the sun functions and more of a, uh, maybe a little bit more of a technical aspect of the subject matter, but also things to look out for and safety glasses, of course, we always want to emphasize that because it's very important that we have a good awareness of how to view these things safely. Yeah, Mark did one. I'm going to be talking at the Lions Club on, I think it's May the 30th about this event, about both of these events, the annual eclipse that's coming up in in October of this year and then of course the total solar eclipse in April of next year. So yeah, there's getting to be more and more demand to have people that, who know a little bit about it make some talks around the country,
1: so. Yeah. Andrew? Do you have any, because I think we're getting close to the end of our time here for this episode, but do you have anything floating around in the back of your mind that you else that you want to add to our discussion here about the clips?
2: Yeah, I would say that if you're a local resident, you might be tempted to just scram out of town because of all the influx of people. And I would encourage everyone to not do that because this is a very wonderful and uplifting event. If we have suitable weather, I guarantee you that you will be able to go out and look at this thing with appropriate eye protection that that you will remember for the rest of your life and hopefully very fondly. And I think the other thing is that you should be prepared to look at things a little differently after it than you saw before it because we as humans tend to get a little wrapped up in our day-to-day activities, right? Uh, What are we gonna fix for dinner tonight? How are the kids doing at school? What's my job gonna be like next week? All these things that kind of swirl around and then and we don't think about that, we think about politics and where the country is going and all of these human related things that occur. We don't really have a lot of time or the inclination to stop and think about where our place is in the universe. And this event, I guarantee you will alter that perspective at least for a few minutes, because you will stand there and look at this thing and wonder how in the world, how in space could this something like this happen that would lend itself to making you think how small things are, how small we are in the universe. And and then it'll be gone. So we won't have another one to to observe anywhere near Texas for many more years and you'll have to travel to get there. So this is something, I look at this as a gift from God. If this is something that's gonna be dumped in our laps and say, here, enjoy this. So I would recommend everyone to do exactly that. Just stock up on your groceries, bunker in, invite all your friends over, and then just get out on a lawn chair and look up and enjoy this thing because
0: it's going to be magnificent. Bruce, before we leave, if our listeners wanted any more information on the Hill Country Astronomy Club or our first of all, where could they go? And are there resources available either in the city, county, or other location if people wanted to do some additional research?
2: Sure. We have a website at Hill Country Astronomers. It's hillcountryastronomers.com. And uh, as I said, we meet every Monday night. Visitors are always, or not every Monday night, we meet the first Monday night of each month. And visitors are always welcome. And as far as other things going on, one of the things that I like to plug whenever I can is the local Dark Sky Group. the Kern Kirk County Friends of the Night Sky, because we are advocates for trying to maintain sky levels at, at a darkness level that will allow everybody to enjoy the Milky Way. 80% of the folks in the U.S. have never seen the Milky Way. 80%, 80% have never seen the Milky Way. And we take that for granted in places out here, but it it is a, a very important thing, I think, for the Hill Country. It's a it's an asset, it's a resource that we have here, and we don't want to squander it. There is that, and, and then if anyone has any questions about the actual eclipses, they can either get in touch with me, or if there's things that they have that's city, more city-related, like preparations and things like, what can I do? Or... Or how, what should I need to prepare for? And so I would recommend that they contact Rain Thorson over at the city parks and rec department, because she's the one that's heading the committee to, that the city has that is trying to get everyone educated about what's coming is familiar with what the city is doing in preparation for that.
1: Thank you, Bruce, very much for joining us. You're this welcome. has been a pleasure. I it's been a um, pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, that'll do it for episode six. See you next time.
0: This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Night Skies. If you are interested in eclipses or if you have an eclipse story to share, if you've lived through an eclipse, been through an eclipse, we'd love to have you on our podcast. So please give us a shout out. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This podcast is a special production of the texas hill country podcast network if you've ever thought about starting your own podcast and you're in the hill country i hope you will uh, also give us a shout we'd love to talk to you about coming on to the texas hill country podcast network the only podcast network for the texas hill country and its surroundings